0: Welcome to the She Did It Her Way podcast, where it's all about making the ultimate leap from your nine to five and building a business in life you love, all while doing it your way. I'm your host, Amanda Bolin. Let's get started. Hello, my beautiful She Did It Her Way listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the She Did It Her Way podcast. I'm so grateful and excited that you all are tuning in, whether this is the first time that you are tuning in to the She Did It Her Way podcast or maybe. This is your 350th time, or how many ever episodes we are at this moment in time. So grateful for that. Today we have another exciting guest on the show. Her name is Lacey Boggs, and she is a content strategist, author of the best-selling Kindle ebook, Make a Killing with Content, and the director of the content direction agency. She helps business owners create strategic content to market their business online. I'm so excited to have Lacey with us because I know for so many of you, and including me at times, it can get a little overwhelming with how do we even plan content? There's so many different content outlets. How do we make sure everything goes so swimmingly and easy? So we're going to talk about that, but first we're going to do what we always do and have Lacey introduce herself and then talk about what inspired her to make her ultimate leap and build her business. So Lacey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. What a pleasure. Well, do your thing. Tell us in your own (laughs) words, what is it that you do? And then we'll back up and talk about Your leap and how you transitioned out of corporate?
1: Yeah. So I have a boutique digital marketing agency. We focus on content marketing, which means all the words that you see on the internet Mm. to market your business. And, um, I myself am the strategist in the company. So I help people develop a strategy and a plan to make sure that all of those words are leading people toward a sale. Because so often we're told, oh, you got to have content. You got to have a blog. You got to have a podcast. You got to be on social, whatever that is. But then they don't have a plan behind it. And so it's just like throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. Oh, that was for sure me. I could have used
0: you. I think we all kind of go through that. Totally. And I think that's a stage of business.
1: (laughs) right? (laughs) But let me just say that spaghetti is not a strategy. (laughs) And I can help uh, help people create like an actual editorial calendar and things like that to make sure that all the messages they're putting out are actually going to move the needle for their business. And then I have a wonderful team of awesome women who can actually then go and create that content and, and implement the strategy for you if that's something you want.
0: Amazing. Well, I know you didn't just wake up one day and this business was built. Even though sometimes <laughs> we think that, right? Um, tell us your journey and what inspired you. Um, you know, to make your ultimate leap, and then tell us all the things that you tried because I know you yeah. you tried a couple of different things. So tell yeah. us all of that good stuff.
1: Yeah. So uh, about let me do the math here about 9 years ago i was working uh, at a local magazine here in colorado as their food editor and that's nice work if you can get it getting paid to eat is pretty awesome mm. um, but yes please i was working like 60 plus hours a week and every time we would have to send the magazine to the printer we would be there until 2 or 3 in the morning and like it was intense. Cause it was a really small office. Um, you know, when you say corporate, I always think of like big giant companies. So this wasn't exactly corporate because it was a small business too, but it was rough. You know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> there was only two people on the editorial staff. And so like we did everything and, and then I got pregnant and my husband and I were talking about it and I don't know what it's like in other States, but we did the math and for childcare for an infant here in Colorado. More than half of my salary would have mm-hmm. gone to childcare, and I was like, "I'm going to give up half my salary to not see my kid." Like that sounds terrible. Yeah. So we decided that I would quit my job uh, and go on maternity leave. and And while I was on maternity leave, I was still writing a couple of columns for the magazine and trying to go freelance. And I discovered that I really hated pitching magazines and other places. <laughs> <laughs> um, it felt like such a judgment, like here, here's my thing. And they're like, no, you're not good enough. So, um, I decided to start a food blog cause it was 2000 and whatever, 11. And that was what everybody was doing back then. <laughs> so I started a food blog. Um, it went really well. I was able to get over a thousand people on my email list first year. I was getting like 10,000 hits a month on the food blog. I was asked to guest blog for one of Martha Stewart's properties and I was making like $0. <laughs> mm. I call that my four-figure year because um, that's about what I made. And at the end of that year, my husband was like, I love you. I'm glad you're doing this. And I need you to make more money. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he challenged me to triple my income the following year. And I was like, okay, well, I have a new idea. I'm pretty good at this blogging thing. Maybe I should try that. And so I kind of hung out my shingle as a, as a ghost blogger for other small businesses. And that, as it turned out, people really needed. And that was, it all took off from there. So it's grown organically since then. Um, and now I have a team of seven women under me. We're all moms and um, we all are striving for that awesome non-corporate lifestyle.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. When, when did you make that transition or realization that ghost blogging was kind of like that entry point, but when was mm-hmm. that?
1: Yeah. So that would have been about 2012. Um, so yeah, about eight years ago.
0: That is amazing. And thank you for sharing your journey. Cause it's yeah. not, that's it's what, never
1: a straight line.
0: <laughs> it's never a straight line and it's never going to be perfect. And it's never going to be this like, yep, definitely. That's the right path. That's the right choice. Like it's just never that way. And everybody's is so different. And we all have different risk tolerances and like, The other day I was on an interview and one of the gals had said that she does better when she, her back's up against the wall for her to leave. And then to know that she has to make money in three months was motivating Mm -hmm. for her. For other people, it's just not, you need to know yourself well enough. Right. Right. Um, tell us more like, okay, so you've been running this business since 2012 and now you have a team of seven women under you, what was it like in the beginning, starting out offering services? Because so many, and the reason why I ask is so many of my listeners are wanting to offer services. They're wanting to do coaching. Take Mm -hmm. us back to that moment when you were in the beginning and setting up your sales process and figuring out who you want to work with.
1: Oh man. So, so many things have changed since then. Like even the name of the business has changed, but like the the core, that's our, still our core offering. So it's fascinating to kind of look back and see what, what has changed. Um, in the very beginning, I didn't know, I didn't really have a niche. I didn't really know who I wanted to serve. Basically, it was like anybody who would pay me money is who I wanted to serve. And um, I didn't even know what my real in the marketing world, we call it your USP, right? And your your like special sauce. What makes you different? <laughs> mm. um, I didn't know what that was for myself. And as I was writing, what I kept hearing from my first clients was, I can't believe you can write in my voice. Like this sounds so much like me. How did you do this? It's like you were in my head, you know, and all this stuff. I didn't realize that not, that wasn't something that every copywriter could do. Mm. And so that's really early on became sort of my differentiating factor was that I have the skill, the talent, whatever you want to call it, to mimic other people's brand voices. And so once I figured out that that was different, that that was unique, I was able to leverage that a little differently and be like, if you've worked with other copywriters in the past and they haven't been able to nail your brand voice, I might be able to do it. And mm-hmm. it also took me like to saying that we like to work with personality-led or personality-driven brands because those tend to be the people who struggle to find a copywriter that can sound like them, right? When they have a really strong personality. So that, that really helped a lot, but I've been down the path where I started with one-on-one services.
0: Well, and wait, can I pause there for a yes, moment? Because please you did, You said something that I just, I want to go back and, and make sure it hits home that mm-hmm. in the beginning, when you started, you weren't really sure. Who you wanted to work with, your services, and that is something that is so crucial to remember if you're starting out. Is that you're you're not going to know, but it's through the doing.
1: It's the yes,
0: that allows you. That's what I, I, as students who are in Ultimate Leap Accelerator. It's a program that I have where we go through, and then at the end, the goal is to get yourself into the position where you'll have your first paying client. And one of the lessons is all about figuring out who you want to work with. And for so many of them. Like, I don't know. And I'm I'm like, that's okay. Like, let's let's even put one thing in place because that's gonna be better than zero things in place. But I love that you said that because it can be easy to think that everybody has it all figured out from the get-go, and the
1: (laughs) truth of it is is that we don't. So we learn by doing, and mm -hmm. I still get a lot of people clients that come to me and they'll say something really broad, like I want to create a community of heart-centered women that does and I'm like that's awesome yes. but like that could apply to any woman I know. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. so how do we how do we narrow that down even more? And yeah, you kind of have to learn by doing. You have to get in there and say I like this, I don't like that. Like I learned very early on I didn't like SEO writing because you just have to like write to the keywords all the time and I figured out that I that I didn't love writing for people like Oh, like dentists or uh, (laughs) attorneys where they can't, they can't say anything about their own clients and they kind of have to just regurgitate things over and over again. I wanted to talk with like people who had thought leadership and exciting stuff, but I had to learn that by doing, you know, I had to learn that by writing for the attorney and being like, wow, this is boring. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, i love it. And so you've, you've come to find that it's the personality driven brand. So you started out doing that. Then how did it evolve over the years?
1: Right. So,
0: or wait, let you, me back
1: up. Yeah.
0: How did you decide your pricing?
1: Ooh, great. Cause question. that is always
0: another question. What do I price my services as? And I love hearing everyone's feedback on how they price services and the thought process behind it.
1: Yeah. So huh, that's a great question because as a writer, So the world I came from in journalism, a lot of times you get paid by the word. That's very normal. If you're pitching whatever, Vogue or Oprah Magazine or whatever, and they accept it, they're going to pay you by the word. And um, what I found was that with blogging, that meant that people would be like, well, cool. I only want a 300 word blog. And I would say, well, but that's not actually going to get you what you need, right? That's not going to get the results. So then I tried charging by the hour and that didn't work either because I'm super fast. (laughs) So (laughs) So then you're like pricing yourself out. Pricing myself out. So I actually started, I think my original was like $50 an hour. And I thought that was redonkulously high. And uh, I was scared to death. And then I realized that that wasn't good for me or the client. And so I started doing flat rate pricing per blog. Mm. And what was really funny was my very first client, I'm trying to remember, I think I charged her like $200 per post, which is reasonable, but she stopped after just a couple of months. And so I let that convince me that it was too high. And Uh. so I dropped my prices way back. And that was a mistake. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because my posts were definitely worth that just because she wasn't interested in it. I hadn't put together all the processes I have now to help clients understand the ROI of their blog posts and make sure they're really seeing how the blogs are moving their business forward. Mm-hmm. That was on me, right? Because mm-hmm. I didn't have that in place. But she was just like, Oh, it's two months and I'm not seeing any results. Goodbye.
0: <laughs> That's such a Lacey, that is such a great point. I never even thought of, thought of that, like just through this conversation, I'm glad you brought it up because it's a couple of things. One, if people aren't necessarily signing up for your services, it doesn't mean that the price is too high. It just means how can we communicate the value even more.
1: And one of the great ways
0: is doing that is showing what your service, the ROI, your service brings to whatever business function it is. Right. Which usually for business owners, it's lead generation that leads to revenue.
1: Right. But even if you're in a business to consumer style business, they're Mm -hmm. still getting some sort of return on that investment, right? So even if you're a life coach and you're a a therapist or whatever, and you're leading somebody through these changes, they're still getting a return on that investment, even if they can't put it in dollars, right? Mm -hmm. I actually have to talk about that a lot in my service too, because we don't put a buy now button on the blog post. (laughs) So sometimes (laughs) it's really tricky to track you know, did that sale come from that blog post that we wrote from you, you know? And so yeah. a lot of times I'll talk to business owners too. Like some of the ROI is that you're not writing the post. <laughs> like some of the ROI is the time that you're getting back in your life, not writing those blog posts or whatever it is. So everybody has some kind of ROI that they're per- that they're presenting and giving to their clients or you wouldn't be in business. Period.
0: Mm, yeah. That's so good. So then you, that was sort of how you priced your services in the beginning. And then yeah. now it's going back to the services that you offer. What was the next thing that you started doing after the ghostwriting piece of it?
1: Yeah. So I, I got to where I, I'm sure you guys all know, like if you're doing one-on-one, you hit a wall at some point. There's only so many hours in the day. So there's only so many clients you can serve. So that was when I brought on my first writer as a, as like a subcontractor. And that's how we started growing that way. And then I got all excited about scaling. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I created a course and, um, cause that's what everybody was doing around that time. And it was good. It still exists. I still have the course. You can go buy it if you want to. Um, but what I realized too, is that the, the, open cart, closed cart launch machine Mm -hmm. was not where I I personally like to spend my energy. Right. So Mm -hmm. it was just as hard for me to, to have the quote unquote passive income (laughs) as it was to do the work and write the blog posts for a client. Right. And, and the client was doing blog posts was so much more, um, predictable. Because I got to the point where people are signing contracts with me. So I know they're going to be here for six months or more, right? I know what that income is going to be. Launches can be very unpredictable. Mm. And so I, I I was all in on launching courses and doing programs for several years. And I nearly burned out. Like I was ready to burn it all down because mm. I was so done. And part of the problem was that I had unrealistic expectations. And part of the problem was that I had, I think, been sold that <laughs> sold that idea of passive income and what that looked like. And believe me, there's nothing passive about Mm. launching a course a couple times a year. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. There's so much. I
0: I love that you also said that too, because in, we were talking a little bit before in the virtual green room, if you will, (laughs) is, uh, that it's, stepping into the online space and doing and selling your services and in the capacity of being online, right? You can be virtual. You can live anywhere. Your clients can be anywhere. You've got a laptop internet connection and away you go. And sometimes when you first get into the space, it can be really easy and very, um, attractive, I think maybe Mm -hmm. sort of that like seductive, like I'm going to create a course and it's just going to sell itself and it's going to be this like passive income lifestyle. If, if, if you want to make a million dollars to then sit and do nothing, then the question for me that I would ask is like, what do you really, what do you, why do you want to indulge in that? But like get more realistic about let's, let's get more realistic about what, how much do you want to make? And then let's keep it simple. Mm -hmm. And get back to the basics and start with services and really say like, or really see what does that look like? But also knowing that it's okay not to have this online course and to do all this stuff as well. Like, right. We don't have to be in a rush for it. It can happen. Just let it happen when it happens.
1: So I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. And you know, after a couple of years of, of working on the courses and stuff, I realized I looked at my numbers and although hundreds of people have been through my course, I was still making the bulk of my revenue from one-on-one services. And what I realized was that at least for me, at least at that point in my life, selling a one-on-one service, I only have to sell one versus hundreds of courses <laughs> to make up the same amount of revenues. So it was like, this is kind of silly. And now I'm kind of moving back into a hybrid model um, where we are doing quarterly, we're doing group programs and, um, it's a very small group, but I feel like I can shepherd people through it in a group setting. And then people, there are more people who can access it because not everybody can afford to invest in my one-on-one services. And so, you know, I feel like I can help more people, but still have that high touch, high value thing that I, that I like to give.
0: Mm -hmm. And doing things that feel good and are fun. And for you, you said, you know, it's just, was a lot of time and energy and work that didn't inspire you to do the launches. And you're like, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. Like people can go right. buy it, but I'm going to focus my time and energy in what I enjoy doing. And that's
1: services. Yeah. And what's fascinating is that like, I have just in the last year started offering launch packages. So I will do other people's launch copy for them, uh, soup to nuts, like everything you could possibly need for a launch. And that I really enjoy. Mm. <laughs> but when it was my own, I was like, ugh. <laughs> I
0: wonder, I'm so curious as to what, I mean, I feel like that could be a whole different podcast episode,
1: right. right? I'll come back.
0: Yeah. Well, returning, returning guest. Oh, that's right. I love it. How was it? Talk to us about scaling your business. Cause some of the questions okay. I do get to are people wanting to know when they start to bring on subcontractors, what's the best way to do it? How do you systematize it? I've been, I have been, and I still am doing, I like have subcontract projects and love it, but I've been a subcontractor and then I've had mm-hmm. virtual assistants, but for you, your entire business is based on probably a lot of sub, like more than just one, right? More than a yeah. VA. It's not, not, not to say more than a VA, but like you have, um, people in your, your wheelhouse and your cog mm-hmm. that, you know, if it's a digital agency, you've got website builders and things like that, that clients are relying on them to produce the work. So, right talk to us about that experience of onboarding subcontractors. I know that was a really long way to. (laughs) No, I got it. I
1: I thought you you guys are probably
0: like land the plane. Just ask the question. (laughs) Okay, now I'm shutting up.
1: (laughs) I got, I've been very lucky. My very first subcontractor was a woman I worked with who was actually my boss, um, two jobs before. Mm. And so I knew her really well. I knew her work. Um, And so I just asked her if she'd be interested in taking on some of this extra work that I was getting, but couldn't handle. And so it grew. She still works for me, which is awesome. Um, And it grew from there. And so I've been very lucky in how I hired, but what's interesting about my agency is we are all still subcontract based and all of the women I'm thinking, yes, all of the women have their own businesses. So it's really interesting the way it works. I know this wouldn't work for every business. But for us, it has become, we're like this team of people that have just got each other's back and we refer business all the time. And I just know that when I sell it, it's all under the content direction agency umbrella. And so they can get Fabulous writer, or they can get an SEO specialist, or they can get um, an email automation specialist, or they can get Google Analytics, or a lady who specializes in doing client testimonial interviews and things like that. All the things I normally need or like to sell as a part of my package. I have these ladies in my team, they've all agreed to be called part of my team. Uh, We have a Slack channel that's like our water cooler that we love, and we (laughs) just support each other so much. It's 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 one of my i'm things I'm most proud of in my business is this team I built and that we're all moms and we're supporting each other in that way as well, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Did you, if you don't mind me asking, from Mm -hmm. like any sort of legal contract standpoint, did you guys Mm -hmm. have to put anything in place, NDAs, or?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question because um, I went into this totally naive (laughs) and not knowing anything, and luckily I've never been like really badly burned but i did um after i started hiring more than one subcontractor start getting some contracts in place and in terms of like how do i cover my behind (laughs) to make Mm -hmm. sure that if something goes south um that we're covered uh we have a pretty standard non-disclosure and non-compete agreement and luckily i've never had to use it but a really good friend of mine had a person she hired she didn't put a non-compete clause in And they stole her biggest client right out from under her. And there was literally nothing she could do about it because there was no non-compete in her her contract. So that's a biggie, which is, it's just very basic. Like if you quit, you won't steal my clients for the next year or whatever it is, you know. Um, But I did have a, it was actually very affordable just to pay a lawyer to go through it with me. And he asked me a bunch of questions that I never would have thought of. And we did the contract for the subcontractors and also the contract for my clients because let me tell you, that's another learning experience where you have to figure out, oh, I didn't need it, I didn't know I needed that in my contract until somebody pulls something on you, you know? <laughs> so, wait,
0: from what you were saying, from a client?
1: Yeah, standpoint? we had a client in the early days that signed a six month contract and then she disappeared for like eight weeks. We couldn't Whoa. get a hold of her. We called, we emailed. And when she came back, she wanted those eight weeks worth of blog posts all at once. And we're like, dude, we can't, like, you can't just... And so we had to put it in the contract that, like, if you ghost on us, we are not responsible for, like, backloading all those blog posts. But I never would have thought about that until it happened.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine... I mean, too, like, sometimes, like, what you're saying... There's so many things that could happen that you maybe aren't even aware of, but it's Mm -hmm. so good in the beginning to have some formal structure and non-compete, especially with contractors. And and the thing is, is that you think, okay, it's not going to happen to me. You know, I trust everyone. I mean, you just don't know. And as a business owner, it's so important to have those stated and written out. And I, as a subcontractor have signed so many non-compete and, mm-hmm. um, disclosures and all of that stuff. And I even personally learned when I was doing con- subcontract work full time, there would, there was a client that didn't have any sort of contract in, in, or anything written in the contract that if, if the end client canceled their training days and no longer needed a subcontractor or someone to go out and do it, I was basically just out of, you know, work right. for that week. Right. And that was something that I learned quickly. That okay, moving forward, I need to present a contract to the person who's subcontracting me to say, by the way, if this <laughs> client bails within a certain time That's frame, not my
1: deal. <laughs> it's not yeah. like
0: I reserved. I blocked off those days on my calendar, and mm-hmm. I could have taken other work, but I blocked it off for you. So, and again, it's not. You know, you can make it mean something really big and terrible, or oh, we forgot something, but just it's such a learning lesson and protect and do well, what you it's can. so much
1: cheaper to do it up front than to mm-hmm. try to mitigate some problem later on. Right. I think I paid the lawyer like 500 bucks to help me do a custom contract that he asked me all these questions and we addressed all my particular needs, which $500 is nothing compared to if I had to litigate with a client or a subcontractor, right? Or you so, lost the client. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Who knew this was going to be a conversation I know, about illegal. legal? Okay. This is not
1: legal advice. Please this don't not, sue me. But.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is our disclaimer. I know. In some of the court, in the training, and anytime I talk about it, I'm like, this is my experience. Right. I am not a lawyer. We are. I'm not recommending nothing of that nature. No, so. Right. Uh, okay. Well, amazing. I love that. And that's such a beautiful thing that you've built out with, you've got your virtual water cooler and you guys yeah. are just referring business to each other. And it's such an amazing demonstration, an example of- what is, is possible. Tell me, you know, share with us one particular time where you feel as if you've, you've grown the most in your business. Ooh. And what was that moment that was just really challenging that in the moment you thought, I don't even know how I'm going to overcome this. We're now looking back. You're so grateful for it.
1: Oh man. Like there's so many, there's so many. Yes. I mean, <laughs> uh, gosh, just speaking. I can't even pick one. Like I can think of the first time I, um, the very first time I ever proposed or pitched, whatever you want to say, a $10,000 package, like that felt huge to me and hu- very insurmountable. And the woman signed it without even blinking. You know what I mean? She's mm. like, yes. Awesome. And so I know yeah, that, that I was too easy, right? <laughs> huh? You see where this is going. Oh so, yeah. I've <laughs> been there. <laughs> so in my heart, I'm sure I brought some like energy to that. But what happened was she started like the scope creep. You know what I mean? Like she started asking for things that weren't in the contract that weren't part of the scope. And she kept saying, but I paid you all this money to do this thing. And I'm like, yeah, but it's here in the contract, exactly what you were going to get. And it became very contentious and very, and it was very scary to me because, um, a, like I had never pitched something that big before. So I was already coming in. It with some trepidation. But B, I was, I have this whole thing. Like, I just want to please everybody. I'm definitely a people pleaser. And so when somebody is upset with me, I'm just like, oh my God, how do I fix it? But I had to stand in my own power and say like, no, this is what we agreed to. Please refer to your contract. And it got to the point where I delivered the work we had contracted to do. Um, she had paid me, so that was good. (laughs) But I actually eventually ended up having to block her email address because she just kept coming back, coming back, coming back. Mm. And finally I wrote her an email and I said, this is, this is the last, you know, I have done what I did contractually for you and I'm sorry, whatever, that you're crazy. No, I didn't say that. (laughs) But you know, and, but it was such a learning experience for me that like, business and personality wise, they're very linked for me in a lot of ways. When you're doing one-on-one work, it's hard to distinguish yourself from the business. Mm-hmm. And so that was a deep, deep learning experience for me that like, yeah, even when you do what you say you're going to do, even when you do awesome work, even when you, you know, go above and beyond, there are still going to be people who aren't hundred percent satisfied, which was rough for me to learn.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it's Right there with you, sister. And uh, actually where I thought it was going is that you. I thought it was going to a place uh, that you had pitched and it was the biggest number you pitched and they said it was yes right away. Because sometimes I've done this before where I've said a number Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they had said yes. And I was like, that was too easy. I need it. It's an indication of raising prices. But back to your situation, it's also that in the beginning, when you're just starting out, it's almost where, and I've definitely been guilty of this. Where you almost feel bad if you create the boundary of, oh, well, you know what, I'm actually new, so I'm gonna extend yes. myself. And and yes, there's this balance that you can learn from that. At the same time, it is. I was talking to a really close friend of mine the other day, and it was a client was kind of like waving this person around, and ultimately the client will do that unless you say, like, hey, listen. This is what's in the contract. This is how I operate. And then it's just mm-hmm. a complete learning experience as you go. But don't be afraid to remind the individual or your client as a contract. And it doesn't have to be a, a disgruntled or tight energy conversation. It can just be a very gentle, matter of fact, like, you know, here it is.
1: Totally. And I think one of the things you're so right, because it's so important to have boundaries especially in business, especially if you're a people pleaser like me, (laughs) because otherwise the scope creep can get the better of you. And all of a sudden, what was a really profitable package is no longer profitable because you've allowed it to get way out of hand or whatever, or you're feeling resentful because you've allowed it to get way out of hand. And I think it's just, boundaries are extremely powerful and you kind of have to learn that (laughs) by doing. Yeah. Hashtag scope creep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, okay.
0: Perfect. I know. So we're winding down and I just want to ask you a few, few more questions in particular to someone who is going to do content marketing and they're just starting mm-hmm. out. Can you give us some pointers on things to think about in order to get organized? And I know that you have an upcoming event in New York in March, mm-hmm. um, dependent upon this actually might air afterwards, but still I no believe worries. you're talking about some of that content. So Can you give us some pointers for those who are tuning in?
1: hundred percent. So my biggest pointer for when you're trying to figure out if you're just starting out, or even if you're not, even if you've been doing this for a while and you're trying to figure out what to do with your content, you should ask yourself two big whys. Okay. There's two big whys. The first one is why am I producing this for my reader? What are they, or my listener or my watcher, whatever, what are they going to get out of it? What are they, what do I want them to take away? and the second why is why am i doing this for my business where do i want this to lead and i think that second why is one that newbies and even people who have been doing it for a while often forget because they're just as i was saying at the beginning they're just in this content creation like hamster wheel i just have to put more stuff out i have to be visible i have to be on all the channels mm-hmm. and they're not really thinking like how is this particular piece benefiting my business and when you get that mindset back in, you're going to be a lot more successful because I truly believe that no matter what, every tweet, every Instagram story, every, everything that you do needs to be at least tangentially related Mm -hmm. to, to your ultimate business goals. So even if you're sharing like an Instagram live or something of your lunch, be sure and put at the end, like, Hey, this is fun. And if you want to talk to me about my business, DM me, you know, something because it's got to all be focused back on your business. Mm-hmm. I have a really good friend who's a, um, a rock climber. She likes to do climbing and she is like a master at, she'll post a picture of herself on the climbing wall at the gym. And she'll start talking about how she was tackling this hard problem. Like, I don't even know climbing stuff, but <laughs> she's tackling this hard problem. And then she'll, she'll shift and it'll be like, and that got me thinking about this in business. And I'm like, that is masterful the way she can do that and take something she's really passionate about in her personal life and turn Mm -hmm. it to a business lesson or a business thought she was having. So every piece of content should eventually lead people back to your ultimate business goals, which for most of us is going to be a sale, right? Mm -hmm. I like to think of all those pieces of content like rocks in a river. If you can picture your ideal customer on one side of the river and the sale on the other side of the river, each piece of content is a rock. And if you put them too far apart, or if you scatter them around randomly, or they're too small, or they don't make any sense together, that person is never gonna make it from one side to the other. They're gonna fall in the river and get washed away. But if you put them in really deliberately and in a path that is easy to follow, you're gonna get a lot more of those ideal customers crossing the river to make a sale.
0: Yeah, that that's so true. And I actually, I talk about this in one of my, I have a mini course called your content creation cure. And Mm -hmm. it's so much sharing the uh, journey of in the beginning of she did it her way. When it started as a hobby, I had no understanding or competency around this whole content Mm -hmm. sphere. So it was interviewing women of all different industries and tech and it probably wasn't until about a few years in where I really started thinking, wait a second, how can this be more streamlined? How can this be more intentional mm-hmm. so that it's, you're being a, a shepherd, a steward, a tour guide of what it is that you're putting out there so that peop, you, people know how to work with you. People know what the next step is. Um, totally. Totally.
1: Yeah. And if I can just use you as, as an example, yeah. you've done it twice in this interview, really organically. You've mentioned two different courses you have as, over the course oh. of this conversation, which is awesome because then without being like, Hey, bye now, whatever. You're just like, <laughs> this is a thing that I do. And this is how, you know, and then it just sticks in people's minds. But when you're, you, we're having this organic, natural conversation um that's what you want to do all the time you want to be having a conversation giving value and reminding people and hey if you need more help with that here's how i can help you
0: yeah that's um i'm glad you brought that up too and it actually sparked another point in my brain which i know this is a little bit of a detour but it comes mm-hmm. to selling right where mm-hmm. if you have this fear of selling it's really about changing the way you look at it because for oh. me I know how valuable and the results have been from students in the Ultimate Leap Accelerator and the content creation cure that I'm like, okay, if you want to have these results, like this is how you go do it. And so, 100%. yeah, it's just sharing things that for as a listener, like sharing those things because you believe in them and because you know that they can help people. I think oftentimes, and I've been guilty of this is where I'm like, Ooh, I don't want to sell or be pushy or salesy. And mm-hmm. the thing is, is it's not about selling. It's about creating a buying environment for people Mm -hmm. to buy and not feel like they're sold, which again, could be a whole nother conversation and it probably (laughs) will be at some point.
1: (laughs) Well, and it's, it's also about helping, right? People need what you have. People need what I have. They need people come to me because they need help figuring out what that path looks like for their business, or they need help creating those rocks to put in the river. And so it's not, uh, anything weird or, or untoward for me to say, Hey, this is how you can work with me.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you gotta invite them. I know one of the things that your mom said uh, mm-hmm. to you was, "Ask for the sale." And that's right. <laughs> the more you ask, the the more the more likely it is that you're gonna have more yeses. But if you never ask, then you yeah, never if know. You
1: ask, you're never gonna get the answer.
0: Yeah. So good. Oh my gosh, Lacey, this has been amazing. I do want to ask you a few last questions. Sure. Rapid fire round. What is something in your life that is a non-negotiable?
1: Oh, uh, I think my family is absolutely a non-negotiable for me. That's why I started this business was so that I could be a full-time mom. And so, um, when, when she needs me, uh, everything else takes a back seat. <laughs> yeah.
0: Love it. Isn't it beautiful? Like to be able to have that, I mean, in this day and age to have internet, to have a computer, to be, able Oh my to God, do I'm so to- blessed. I yeah. feel
1: so, so privileged to be able to do this. For sure. So yeah,
0: absolutely. What is one of your favorite all-time books that you've read that you would recommend to anyone?
1: Mm, favorite all-time books. Uh, I would go with essentialism by mm. Greg McCowan. I love that book. It's how I live my life. You were speaking <laughs> I try to language
0: <laughs> <laughs> these guys, these listeners know that I love that book. And this is just another plug. Um, fantastic.
1: It's so good. Cause it's not about more. It's less, but better, Less but better. And that's my content philosophy. That's my life philosophy, everything. Well, so well, let me ask
0: you this then another detour. Sorry guys mm-hmm. promise. It's okay. it's, a, it's important the less, but better. If someone mm-hmm. has already consistently been creating content on one platform, mm-hmm. do you think that it is wise of them to then create another process to reproduce it on other outlets?
1: It can be. It can be valuable. I'm very much what I like to call the hub and spoke model when it comes to content. So I believe in having one channel that's your hub. That's your main place that you do your thought leadership. But then all the other places you might want to be can be spokes that lead back to it. So for example, yours is probably this podcast, but if you create clips that you put on Facebook or quotes that you put on Instagram, that's all good because then you are driving people back to your hub, which is the Mm. podcast. Love it, so good. Yes. Uh,
0: last question: What is the best one hundred dollar or less purchase one can make in their business?
1: Oh man, I don't even know. Like, uh, I, I'm not even sure. You asked me this in like the onboarding process for this interview. I don't even remember what I wrote. But like, what I'm going to go with right now is um, a housekeeping service. Yes, that was a huge, huge thing for me when I first started working from home because I had a baby, and so I was trying to raise a baby and clean the house and do all the things I was always doing and run a business. And I was driving myself crazy. And so the first time I had somebody come in and clean the house, it was like, Oh, the angels sing. So like when you're launching or when you're in a really stressful position, spend the money, get somebody to come in and Mm -hmm. clean your house. You will never regret it.
0: Yes. Amazing. Well, Lazy, this has been absolutely fantastic. Where can my listeners connect with you and find out more information about what you do and your services?
1: Awesome. So I am at lacybogs.com. That's the best place to find me. I have a blog that's eight years old. There's a ton of information there. Um, and if you're interested in the workshop in New York or, or there will be other iterations of it, you can go to lacybogs.com slash CIA, like the agency, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, find out all the information.
0: Oh, amazing. Well, Lacey, thank you so much for coming on. She did it her way. I so appreciate it. Thank you. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can head on over to she did her where you can access the entire vault of she did it her way podcast episodes and more information all about how to make the ultimate leap from your nine to five and If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so grateful if you headed on over to iTunes and left a review, letting me know what you love about the She Did It Her Way podcast. Until next time, keep doing it your way.